0: Basically, the question I have for Tom Nichols is, what the hell's happened? What's going on? I think it's a question that a lot of us ask ourselves each and every day. You know, you listen to this show, and I hear from you every day, and some of the people who call in, and then you all text me and ask that question, what's what's going on? What's happening here? The positions that are taken, and, and sometimes, you know, violently almost defended, by our fellow citizens, leave a lot of us truly confounded. You know, most of us see a lot of this stuff as nonsense, very easily disproven, but it becomes almost gospel, and it's absolutely unassailable to others. And it's spreading. That is it's creeping in from the fringes on both the left and the right. Don't be fooled here. This isn't a strictly right wing or left wing thing. The extremes in our society seem to be dominating a lot of the conversation. Uh, it's the same rot spreading from both ends. And uh, of course, there's unethical politicians ready to capitalize for their own benefit on it. But what has happened? What is going on with our society and where are we headed? We're going to chat with Tom Nichols, who is a professor. Um, At the U.S. Naval War College, he's also an author of several books. We've talked to him before about the death of expertise, the campaign against established knowledge and why it matters. A great, great book that I highly recommend. He has a new book coming out called Our Own Worst Enemy, The Assault from Within on Modern Democracy. And I don't know if it's a companion piece or not. We'll find out. Mm -hmm. Tom's joining us now. Uh, Good morning, Tom. How are you? Good morning, Shay. Thanks for having me. This new book seems almost an extension to the death of expertise. I think I haven't had a chance to read it yet. You could send me a preview; that would be nice. But uh, it seems like <laughs> it's, it's just—it's the obvious extension of what happened when the death of expertise and the campaign against established knowledge took place. This is the obvious outcome, right?
1: they're definitely related to the same phenomenon in modern advanced democracies and that problem is narcissism and uh self-absorption. Uh, democracy relies on trust, it relies on cooperation, it relies on tolerance and um we've just and I would say we in the United States but also uh Europe, Canada, the the advanced democracies um because of affluence, um long periods of peace um, high levels of standard of living. We've, we've just gotten used to things kind of being the way we want them to be, and we don't think very much about other people, and we certainly don't take seriously other people, which was part of the death of expertise problem, but it's a much bigger problem when it comes to the kind of extremism and anti-democratic attitudes you were just talking about.
0: How does it veer into that extremism, though? Is it just, is it just boredom? Is it wanting to be part of a fight, have some excitement injected into your life?
1: Absolutely. Boredom is a huge part of it. Uh, You know, almost 70 years ago, there was a writer named Eric Hoffer who said that uh, societies are really ripe for an anti-democratic, illiberal takeover when they are bored. That boredom is one of the, you know, deadliest things that can happen to a democracy. But it's also narcissism. It's also a culture of 40 and 50 years of putting yourself first, thinking about yourself And not really thinking about your fellow citizens as people that you have to deal with or compromise with or talk to. And I think that leads to tribalism, which is Mm -hmm. people who agree with me are great. They're on my side, they're on my team, and the people who don't agree with me are the enemy and they're evil
0: and they have to be defeated. And and that seems to be where we are. There's not really any discussion at this point. It's sort of, uh, I I can tell by what t-shirt you're wearing whether or not I want to even hear what you have to say.
1: Pretty much. And I, you know, I'm not immune from that. I mean, I, I'm certainly not standing here as some example of saying, you know, I've figured out how to do it right. Um, there are people with whom I just don't want to have conversations anymore, which, yeah. you know, as a practicing political scientist and a teacher for over 30 years, you know, I, I, that's pretty startling to me that there are times where I just say, you know, I'm, I'm just not interested in this conversation and, you know, I'll sit over here and you sit over there. Um, but if we all keep thinking that way, we're doomed. Uh, we can't. You can't. You can't make a democracy work on that.
0: So what do we do? I mean, this is the thing because, I mean, doing what I do, Tom, and I and I and I talk with people who come from these extremist positions, and I know that presenting them with facts and data and evidence means nothing. In fact, it only emboldens the battle. There's there's no progress to be right, right there.
1: Right. I, I. You know, counterintuitively, my answer to all this is kind of a tough love approach. And I've had a lot of disagreements with some good friends about this where, you know, people say, well, when you run into these people with extreme views, you have to kind of reach out and you have to talk to them and you have to kind of understand where they're coming from. Um, I don't think that's worked. I think 30 or 40 years of trying to do that has blown up on our face. I think that that we need to go back to a better and more stoic time where when someone says, you know, uh, Joe Biden stole the election with communist voting machines. You simply have to say, look, I'm not going to have this discussion with you. You're just wrong. Mm-hmm. And, you, and somewhere in your heart, you know you're wrong. And this, this discussion will demean both of us by having it. Do need better and from and our- I think there, there is, some of that shunning in the name of good common sense becomes absolutely imperative. And I, I know it, it's not comfortable, but it is the political equivalent of tough love.
0: What about the politicians? Where do they fit into this? Because we have them, you know, in Canada, you have them in the United States, obviously, who are willing to sacrifice any sort of integrity, ethics, uh, democracy itself in the interest of their own self-gain and pander to that extremist base.
1: Well, I think one thing we have to do is we have to get more comfortable. uh, The people who care about democracy, whether they are the center-right, the center-left, you're not going to have a lot of conversations with people on the far-left, and certainly not with anybody on the the far-right. Um, But the people in that kind of big middle have to get more comfortable with building electoral coalitions among themselves and say, look, you know, we have to find the people that we think are decent, who are, you know, good stewards of democracy, not perfect, not not people that can give us everything we want or that we're going to agree on all the time, uh, but that we can all agree to vote on. And to accept, even if later down the road we might part ways, Uh, I think one thing we've become very bad at, certainly in my country, is building coalitions, is reaching across party lines and saying, you know, for the sake of this election, um, you know, we're going to join hands and we're going to ignore some of the policies we might disagree on. Now, I think we did that in 2018, and I think we certainly did it in the 2020 presidential election, but it's, but it's hard to do,
0: and I think we have to get better at it. Uh, the book um, is called The Assault on Democracy. Um, how bad is it? I mean, how badly wounded has democracy been through all of this? Can it, can it survive, uh, or can it go back to what we all sort of recognize as democracy, a functional democracy?
1: You know, the book actually was hard for me to write for a while because I started the book, and I wanted to be optimistic, and I wanted to say, well, you know, what's like with the death of expertise? I wanted to say, okay, here's a problem. How did we get here, and how do we get out of this? And as time went on, particularly during the pandemic, when, in fact, we started to split apart into warring camps over things like life and death and, you know, simple little things like wearing a mask, Mm -hmm. um, I started to become much more pessimistic. So, you know, I don't want to say we're doomed, but I think unless we have a serious course correction, and I think unless the people who really care about democracy, regardless of how they feel about other policies, you know, join hands and decide to protect uh, this fragile experiment that's been going on in the world for, you know, two, three hundred years, um, we're going to be in deep trouble because um, it's always easier to just turn on the TV and stare at your phone and and play Uh, you know, games, and to ignore this while democracy kind of just melts away, and then one day you wake up and you find out that, you know, your choices don't really matter very much, even less than you you thought they did, uh, you know, earlier. So it's it's a really important thing to do, and it's a simple thing to do. Just pay attention, read a newspaper, make sure you vote. Um, You know, if you can do that much, you're ahead of the game.
0: Yeah, the things we've always been told to do, and we used to do. (laughs)
1: <laughs> we, used to, we absolutely used to do it, and it, we didn't think it was that hard to no. do. Yeah. And, and now we think we're just too, you know, uh, burdened and busy, and that's, that's just nonsense. We can do this.
0: Excellent. Okay. Thanks so much, Tom. I really appreciate your time. Thank you, Shay. You bet. That is Tom Nichols, who is a professor at the U.S. Naval War College and also an author who's done a lot of work around this.